Welcome to the fifth episode of Junto Club. On this episode, we talk about living old when you're young, not being a simp, doing what you know, what is happiness, what is success, and what are our goals. We wrap up with Shu wanting to eradicate the fashion industry and talking about the age-old art of iron crotch. For any questions, comments, or to support Shu's vision for a dystopian future, email juntoclubpodcast at gmail.com. This is Junto Club. Welcome to episode five of the Junto Club. It's Christmas Day, and uh, once again, we're t- drawing inspiration from Benjamin Franklin to discuss philosophy, politics, and a variety of other th- interesting things in order to better ourselves and better understand the world around us. So I think that covers it, right? That's fine. All right. Uh, perfect. Perfect intro. Yeah. So... Today we were talking about the vaccine and uh, who should be getting it and whether it's going to control our minds. Oh. <laughs> Are we really talking about it? No. No. I mean, I will get it. And we are not I, qualified until nine more next fall, right? So yeah, no, I know. I we might we might be dead by then, right? So I'm a 30-year-old healthy male show. I mean. Just go apply it to be like, you know, work as like a grunt labor at a hospital. They'll vaccinate you and then just immediately quit. Yes. Uh, a hospital volunteer. Like scam a, the system. Yeah. All right. So to, to follow your intro about st- draw inspiration from Benjamin Franklin, of course, per usual, we always start with a quote from... Benjamin Franklin, Franklin's uh, Paul Richard's Almanac, right? So today, the quote is uh, something, this one, this is the one that I don't understand again. I don't really get, so I need to ask you guys what it means. So this quote is uh, from Benji again. An old young man will be a young old man. What does that mean? Well, I think, first of all, I would like to say that I think this probably has many interpretations, you know. I think this is open, but, uh, you know, my first thought is, you know how, like, people, when they're, like, young, that they're, like, super active and extreme, they'll, like, hurt their knees and their back, and then when they get to, like, be, like, 50, they'll be, like, injured mm. and, like, can't move around well? I'm wondering if it's just something like, you know, an old young person takes care of themselves better so that once they get to, like, old age, they're more active, more capable because they haven't kind of like beaten themselves up so much but if you like really run yourself ragged when you're in like your 20s like supposedly it comes back to bite you you know we're not old enough to know for sure but oh okay okay that actually make a lot of sense to me actually yeah yeah no i mean that does make sense to me um yeah like there's a lot of quotes about like burning out like burning out fast versus like the longer burn or so you know like it sounds something to be something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. So that, that reminds me of me of the mini retirement that we talk about, right? You should start taking retirements right now. Don't defer your life plan <laughs> until you're 80 or 70 when you're retired. Just take some 
do something right now, you know, travel more, do stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's fair. That's true. Unless those were many retirements involve like binge drinking for like four weeks and then you're going to be, you know, 55 with cirrhosis of the liver. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, mini retirement basically is a, it's a basically like whatever you want to do when you are retired, do it right now. Don't defer, wait until you are old. I mean, is our generation still going to get retired? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, everyone will just be working like, rem- like their jobs will be like totally non-physical and remote. So it's like, they'll have no ex- excuse. So I assume more and more and plus with social security and everything, probably not existing or existing to a point where it's like, Oh, we'll give you like a dollar a week. Like it'll, I assume it'll, so it, be different. It depends what retirement means, right? So traditional retirement means like uh, do nothing, sing around, just do it whatever you want, I guess, like leisure, play golf, you know, spending mm-hmm. time with your family. I think the new concept of retirement is more like, and it's, to me, it's more like using your time to do anything. You still work, like you still work, but it's not work anymore. It's doing something that you you really love doing and it's like maybe more like, uh, I don't know, uh, still productive, contributing to the society, right? Yeah, it's not. You're just financially secure enough. You don't have to make like money the primary motivation behind your work. So, yeah, yeah. So, and next, there's something new movement called fire movement right now. Have you heard of it? Yeah, it's like the people who retire at like 40. Yeah. Financial independence and retire early or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, and we can. I think we we're gonna talk about it in the future more. But right now, right now, I guess. Uh, yeah, like it's just regarding retirement. I look in Warren Buffett, and you know, like he's still going, like almost like ninety something. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Warren Buffett also. Just like it's, it, I feel like it's different if it's your company in a way because it's like you can essentially like be the sort of figurehead of the company without probably having much, if any responsibility. Yeah. So. He can probably so, run on his own, but he can step in and like adjust or do things as he sees fit. But like, if yeah. he's not there, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's sort of yeah. like, this is my legacy in a way and I'm going to maintain it. So I, it's essentially something when I die, but yeah. yeah. So the reason I brought up uh, Warren Buffett is because today I want to introduce you guys to Charlie Munger. Also, yeah, do you know who Charlie Munger? Mm-mm. So he he's considered a well. First of all, he studied. Uh, he's a student of Benjamin Franklin. That, may, that means he studied Benjamin Franklin a lot. He studied his uh, uh, life and stuff like that, wisdoms, and then also. He is a long-time investing partner of uh, Charlie of, of Warren Buffett, right? So if you consider, there's two persons actually in the investing world. One's Warren Buffett. The one next to him is Charlie Munger, right? Hmm. They are around hmm. the same age. He's lesser known because uh, you know he doesn't really do a lot of publicity stuff. Warren Buffett is more like out there, right? So, mm-hmm. but his wisdom about investing, or oh, he also has he's a very his wit, like very very humor, humorous in a way that people are really enjoying when he talks. Also, whatever he says, like, oh, we have a very insightful uh, life advice. 
So both to investing and to life, right? So one thing, uh, one thing he's proponent of like, is like, I guess let me go back to the other one. So for one thing that, and one event, right? Uh, when people asking, you know, audience asking like, uh, what, how do you find a worthy mate, right? That's a, po- that's a question that audience posing to Charlie Munger when he was like probably 85 or, you know, 80, something like that. And he answered like, to be, to find a worthy mate, basically, I think his answer was like uh, paraphrasing the, be worthy of a worthy mate, right? So st- instead of like trying to find someone who's beautiful, you know, uh, really like worth, like very good, you know, sophisticated, intelligent, you know, be that mm-hmm. yourself, right? So work on yourself, be worthy of the worthy mate. So I, I feel like that's very, very insightful view of uh, like a very good advice for like young people like to find stuff, uh, right? Uh, find a find a mate, which is a very important life decision, right? So. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I agree with that entirely. That's what, that's what I think when I see people like guys who are like, I can't find, you know, they are struggling with relationships essentially. And I'm like, most of them, it's like, yeah, if you actually just spent your time focused on improving yourself, like the rest would more or less sort itself out without too much trouble. Uh, no, I mean, I agree with that to an extent. Uh, I will say that I know many people who are awful who don't struggle so i mean i guess uh, like <laughs> so uh i'm not so, yeah, it's a sufficient but not necessary condition exactly yeah no 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 yes I, I i believe it is a sufficient but not necessary yeah what do you mean by awful but don't struggle you mean don't struggle finding a girl oh saying? of course yeah i mean i know that you, you must know tons of people who are just like sort of you know junkies to drunks and you know but they have the you know they're confident and you know so that they're confident so they don't have any issues do you know why do i know why probably because they're confident but <laughs> no be- yeah because they don't care so they just go ask girls right what as nice guys they never do it and they're afraid of it and they think too much Right? Yes, right. No, I mean, I'm sure with them, it's a numbers game more so than anything, but it's exactly. like, but at the same time, it's, uh, but at the same time, it works, right? I mean, so it's, uh, so that's why I say sufficient, but not necessary. Well, he does, yeah, also, it doesn't mean they found the worthy mate, right? He, they, they might find someone who, you know, even though, uh, it's beautiful, but it's very, you know, hard, but, you know, it might not be a good person, right? So, right. Well, that's, like that's worthy fair. of them based on Mike's <laughs> description of them being kind of bad people. All right. Well, well, I would say they're, they're probably often they're preying on people who have low self-esteem, right? Or they're preying mm-hmm. on people who have come from not great situations. So. so anyway, my point is that all nice guys out there, stop being nice. Just be a jerk. Go ask, you know, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm saying that just don't be afraid. Just don't, don't. Also, just don't be too nice. Basically, you know, girls are uh, be nice doesn't mean you're gonna get a girls, right? The girls want someone who's more aggressive. I mean, there's like be basically just. I mean, I guess the traditional the vision of nice guy, right? Just don't don't do that, right? Don't be a nice guy, quote unquote. Yeah. Be nice guy. I think a lot of people nice. 
thing is like being nice means uh, to the girls means like oh you're gonna do whatever the girls want right you're gonna be be like very considerate to what the girls feelings and then sometimes you instead of so some that means that you are not trying to communicate your own feelings and then sometimes you end up doing things that you don't like just to please the girl like to be nice right and mm-hmm. that actually hurts your relationship because you're not communicating what you want to say right Sure, of course. Basically, no. she was saying, don't be a simp. Yes. <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> Simps yes. are, yeah, like people who put, like, guys who put girls on, like, as a pedestal and, like, worship them or, you know, so they're like, oh, you know, especially girls online who they've never met and they're like, you're, like, amazing and perfect and blah, blah, blah. And they just, yeah. you know, worship the girl instead of treating them like a real person. Yes, exactly. And yeah, they're overly nice. So I think this is like an evolution of nice guys, simps. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to be a simp. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, no, I mean, I feel like this, uh, that traces are like, you know, I mean, any type of relationship you have in life is literally like, if you don't communicate your feelings, you develop shame and you, that, or develop shame, develop, and that leads to resentment and anger. And ultimately you just explode, but. Uh, so you need like- to communicate your feelings up front. Oh, we're getting into Mike's dissertation now. He's bringing it up. It's, it's everything. <laughs> <laughs> your PhD thesis was everything. That's right. No, it's it's true. I mean, it's like relationships are not hard if you say like, this is how I'm feeling and this is what I want. And if the person values you, then good. And if they don't, then you that relationship is dissolved. Yeah. Ones and zeros are everything in people and robots. <laughs> you know, back in the good old days, you got married to a girl, you know, you've met once and then you just stuck it out no matter what. You're just like, whatever, you know? Well, that's, that's true life. too. Yeah, that's true too. Like there's a girl three doors down and it's like, hey, we're the same age. And we're 18. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So. So then that's, uh, I guess, going back to Charlie Munger, and that's one thing that he, about regarding uh, finding your mate, be worthy yourself, right? Be worthy of worthy mate, right? So the other one, so that's about relationship and life. Um, the other thing about, I like studying him because he has a lot of advice on like decision making and also like, especially regarding investing, right? He's an investor, right? So making a lot of good decisions and you can approach apply the same principle to life decision as well. And then one thing he's a proponent of is the, something called the mental models. And uh, basically, he basically said you need to have mis- multiple mental models. Or those are basically ideas from like multiple uh, disciplines like physics, um, uh, like economics, you know, or psychology. A big idea from all these disciplines. And then from these, like, these are models that you can use, apply to decision-making every single like, a lot of situations, right? In, in one decision, you might use different models, right? Combine them to get to the right decision, right? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I just gonna, you know, extending off that a little bit, I know, like, you know, we all did, like, engineering or, I guess, in Mike's case, computer science. Well, me and Shu did engineering undergrads, and I feel like you definitely get, like, the feeling that, like, a lot of engineers have this generic kind of STEM engineering mindset where we kind of like all see things the same way and think about things a certain way. And it's not entirely different. I should probably do more to branch out, but I I do feel like in graduate school when we went into 
AI and computer science, kind of like thinking about solving problems through AI gave me like a different perspective of like how to approach problems from like the generic engineering mindset. And, you know, it's all STEM. So it's not like the most broad thing, but it was like different enough that it like actually like sometimes like things in life. It's like, I now like think of them through that lens, like, you know, you know, a game it's like, you know, it's just like, Oh, it's just like a series of options. And I'm just searching like the number of things in AI, you can basically just boil down to searching through possible options until you find like a better or the best one. And then when you like kind of look at that in life, I don't know, it probably doesn't make much sense what I'm saying, but it makes sense, but do you have an example? Make it more concrete? I, no, you know, that's I, my issue. This is something I've thought of before, but I'm trying to think of like a good, remember a good time to supply it, and I don't know that I can. Okay, we can we can stay tuned for us in the future <laughs> when you realize something, and we can talk about it. If it happens again, I'm going to think about it now, and I'll, <laughs> I'll write it down somewhere. But yeah. yeah, but what about you? You do a bunch of reading in different areas, and you so you, do you. Do you feel like you had that like oh engineering mindset where you like you realize like the engineers around you kind of all thought the same way? Did you have that experience? Personally, I would say a lot of times not not exactly. I guess I mean I guess for me I I feel not very comfortable any kind of problem. I would just uh, as we talked about before, break it down right. Uh, go to the root uh, like what's the cause right? What instead of treating the symptoms right, you want to get to the fundamental problem of like, how to solve it, right? Mm-hmm. And personally, from a PhD, I guess, going back to PhD is more like one you know, one simple, one uh, important lesson that I learned is asking questions, right? What is the, to frame, how do you frame a question such that the solution can become very obvious, right? So a lot of times, the you know, solving problem is not about just like to attack on the problem uh, head on, right? It's more about What's the right question here? Like, well, how do you ask the question such that the you know <laughs> the solution actually just can so obvious that you can just do it, right? And yeah. Hmm. So anyway, so going moving on to the so basically a few examples of the mental models that uh, that Charlie Munger like to use. We're gonna talk about more of these models in the future, but a couple that one is something called the cir- circle of competence, right? So this one is very, uh, so basically you want to stay, he suggests that you want to stay within your circle of competence, especially in terms of investing, which means like he always, like he and Warren Buffett always invest in things that they they understand, right? So they invest in like Coca-Cola because they drink Coca-Cola every single day, right? Mm -hmm. They they, uh, they, they invest in Costco, right? Costco because they understand the business model, right? So, yeah, so, uh, and other companies, right? So also one thing they don't, un- they don't really invest in is technology because they don't understand technology. So they try to stay away from it, even though for the past like 20 years and technology has been a key driver in the stock market and then stuff like that. But, but they don't, they avoid it, but stay, they, they still do pretty good. So stay within your circle of comp- competence, which means actually like, in your career as well, right? If you find a job you want, just figure out what you are very good at, right? And then also in the project you take on, right? Uh, just just repeat state within your, you know, what you are good at, basically. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense because if you're outside of your circle of competence, you're kind of just rolling the dice, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, right. if you're investing in things you know, you can kind of recognize like, 
Like, I mean, there's been a lot of robotics companies that have failed over the last like five to 10 years. And at least some of them I've looked at that and been like, like, this is like a bad idea. Like there's not like, it's overly complicated for like, no, like very limited practical purpose. You know, so I'm like, this is like, obviously not going to be a successful company. And you're not saying that I called everyone or anything, but you know, basic application of that idea is like, if it's something, you know, you can kind of like it, even if it's a good idea, it doesn't mean the business is going to be successful, but I feel like that's more important for just like filtering out. Like this is obvious, like anyone who knows this area knows this is not going to work well, you know, or at least strongly suspects and kind of help you filter out those duds. Right. So circle of confidence basically here just means like you can make, you can make a confident assessment about, is it going to have value or not? Like, I mean, basically, right? Yeah. So the circle of confidence means know what you know. Also know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. So that way you can know what you should do and don't not avoid. Right. So know what you know. Sure. Also know what you don't know. I mean, a lot of times I think we, we start, you know, we know everything, right? We were not aware of what we don't know. That's what we don't know is what's going to kill you, right? So you, a lot of time we go to do stuff that did not realize that, oh, this is something that we do not know, right? So to know how to do something. So yeah. And I think, I think especially PhD, right? We, I think we have no, uh, arrogance oh we we went through phd now we can learn everything then you know we might be very uh very we can basically do everything right so any uh, you know so so i think we need to be careful of that that kind of mindset that we can tackle anything that we want but it's so yeah to be aware of what, what where we are weakness are right and what we don't know yeah yeah, yeah. no i mean that's definitely true i mean i i, I feel like Sometimes I do have that mindset where it's like I can learn anything. Like, I mean, I don't feel like I know everything, but that I could learn anything. But I guess it's just having an appreciation for complexity and the idea that time isn't free. So, like, mm. like I may be able to learn anything, but, like, the time it may take may be prohibitive. So It's a limited amount of anything you can actually learn before, right. you know, you're out of time. Yeah. No, I was going to... Your mic is mute. Okay, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good enough. So, I guess going back to these, uh, the circle of competence, also tying it together, and the circle of competence, and also how to find a worthy mate, I actually find a very good interconnect between those two, which is my model of thinking inside the box, right? Thinking inside the box. Okay. Circle competence means, you know, you actually think inside your own competence, right? And then also, no, be no, to find a worthy mate, be worthy of worthy mate, you know, you need to go inward, work on yourself. That way you can expand outward to find a person you want. So anyway, just a, just a plug for my framework of thinking. It's called, you know, inside the box thinking. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you you know, polish this out for a few more years, you could be one of those best-selling authors with your self-help book, Think Inside the Box. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you could co-headline a tour with Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You got the catchy title, Don. Yeah. You've done yeah. a lot of reading on, like, you know, life advice and things. You just got to, you know, keep working on polishing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the plan then. <laughs> 
So, so another another model I want to talk about about mental model is something called inversion. Have you got, uh, so have you guys heard of that before? Not in terms of a mental model, like temperature. Uh, <laughs> uh, so inversion is a uh, you know Jacob. So basically, he started back in the day. A lot of people like, for example, uh, Jacoby is a mathematician. He used a lot, a lot of the inversion to tackle a lot of math, mathematical problems. This basically means that instead of going for uh, solving problem forward, right? He basically he start solving it backward, right? So he he start with uh, I think I think we are all familiar with that. Basically, like a lot of like you want to state a theory, right? You start with a theory instead of try to find a truth. You find a you come up with a theory, right? Scientific theory. And then basically, and then try to prove that theory, like going backward. You start with a goal, and then go backward to find evidence for that theory, right? And that's what I think. That's what basically what science is, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, like, uh, Einstein's relativity theory. He's instead of finding the truth of in the universe, right? Because like, so fast, you don't know where to go. He just from his ob- 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 observation, he just start with the theory, and then using that, and then to find evidence to support that theory. So I, I'll say that's basically what inversion is, right? So. Mm. And then, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that's, I mean, that's applied. Yeah, you're right. That is in some ways, a lot of the scientific method more often works backwards, I would say. I mean, there are instances where like people start with something fundamental and then try to like develop it from there. So this sort of like forward thinking, mm. but um, yeah. So, so yeah. So what, so what Munger what Charlie Munger said about that, like to life is like to be successful in life. It's like it's not about like how to how to find a successful path to to be successful, right? To to do the right, very smart thing, intelligent thing to be successful. All you need to do in life actually is just to avoid stupid mistakes. So that's something he <laughs> suggests, right? To find a very smart way to do something, you know, sometimes you just need to. Avoid the stu- stupid mistakes. Yeah. Mm. See, to me, that seems like forward thinking, though, right? Like you're not you're not establishing a goal you're trying to work to as specifically. You're just saying like, if I keep more moving forward and like avoid, you know, yeah, doing something bad, then you're probably going to end up someplace good, which makes sense, right? Because there's like a lot of interesting paths you can take in life, and a lot of just different ways you can be successful. So, yeah, no, I mean that makes a lot of sense because you could say there's a lot of different opportunities and like. Like even decisions or things that I've done that have probably been wrong, you know, I'm like, oh, maybe if I went back, I could say the ideal thing would have been to do something else. But like it opened up another opportunity because I did that, that I like and turned out to really like or enjoy. Locally greedy decisions lead to often lead to somewhat optimal like end. And if you don't have any way to like, you know, do a global search, that's That's probably the best you can do. Wow. (laughs) So Dave, next you you bring you bring AI to your uh, methods to your daily life now. Yeah, that's it. That. Yeah. Right, just too greedy uh, in every single decision. You but the problem that you reach a local minimum, right? So, well, it, well, yeah. Local optimum, yeah. Right, you reach a local optimum, but like the resources required to reach a global are like you know you, there aren't the resources you need to reach a global optimum, yeah. so. What happened to us being all about long-term, you know, planning and stuff, you know, like, you know, long-term goals. This is, you're going back on your word. You do both, right? Anyway, so I guess. uh, 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 I mean, maybe the PhD, like, I guess 
seven years is or six and a half years like uh, that could be considered like a greedy decision right Mm, uh. (laughs) (laughs) i don't think so no no long term is like one year like master degree or something right two yeah no 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 that's fair i mean i feel like Go ahead. The real greedy decision is like, what do I want to do right now? And then be like, I want to get drunk. And then, you know, you feel like shit tomorrow, but you're like, all right, how can I feel better right now? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, uh, it needs to be semi-reactive, I guess. Right. I mean, like there needs to be a long-term bias into like a greedy algorithm. I think for my, what really need to Mike to understand. For Mike, I think the better example is not to wear condoms right now. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> there's, there's, look, all things in life need a balance. Okay. So you have a balance between your long-term goals and things that are driving you to like make, you know, smart, responsible decisions and a balance with, you know, doing things in the short term that you enjoy, that you like want to do. You know, if you go to either extreme, you screw up. And that's right. like pretty much that that applies to basically everything. So it's a really easy cop out answer, but uh, yeah. you know it's true. So right, no, it's essentially a weighted sum where the weight is like how far forward you look. <laughs> so. mm. You mean discounted discounted reward? Yeah, yes, discounted reward. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So going back to. Moving, so going back to inversion, so basically there's two other examples that we can use to apply the inversion actually to our lives actually. One thing is like happiness, right? So instead of trying to, I think everybody, most people have a hard time defining what happiness is to them. And it's for me, right? A lot of people try to find one, but instead of doing that, you can do the opposite by asking like, what is the opposite of happiness, right? And that might be easier way to get to that, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. the question for you guys is what is your, I guess what's the opposite of happiness for you guys, assuming you don't have a definition for happiness. But if you have one, feel free to share. Mm. What's your definition? Why don't we start with what's your definition of happiness? I mean, should would phrasing as what would make me happy yeah, be I mean, accurate? Yeah, happiness is personal. It's personal, right? So whatever it means to you. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just want, you know, um, I want a successful enough, like I want work that's interesting. Uh, you know, I don't, I'd rather not just have a job you grind, right? I mean, that's most people. And I want like just enough money that I don't really have to worry about it. I don't want to be rich. I don't really care about being rich, but you know, just enough that you're not like stressed about money, which is like, you know, get to upper middle class and you're basically there, you Mm -hmm. know? And then, you know, I want to have a family and enough time to, you know, do the things I enjoy, just my hobbies and stuff. This feels very basic, but like, I don't know what a better answer is, right? Like Mm -hmm. you want to find satisfaction work. You want to be successful, at least successful enough. Some people want to try to like achieve a lot. I think just being successful enough, that, you know, you're good is fine. And then, you know, just enjoy your life. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree. I guess I'm more, because I'm more of a glass half empty person than Matt. 
I guess I just would view it as a, more in terms of a lack of things, right? Like a mm-hmm. lack of stress in life, a sort of a lack of, but you're in a situation where essentially there's like a lack of voices in your head, right? Telling you about what can go wrong. So mm-hmm. essentially like, you know, you have a lack of medical issues, a lack of uh stress at work and a lack of financial concerns. Like basically like, you have what you need, so I, I guess it's more the glass half full way of looking at it. So, mm. so it sounds like you already might kind of doing a little bit of like the re- inversion of thinking already of regarding happiness. You are thinking of like lack of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, so, exactly. so now your your definition of like the opposite of happiness would be like stress on these stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stress or like, like, I feel like a lack of happiness is sort of impatience about something like, uh, or uh, impatience may be the wrong word, but like a lack of happiness is in a way looking for, uh, like wanting something that requires time, effort or something that you can't have immediately. Right. I don't get it. So, so essentially you're not, I'm debating whether this is happiness or contentment, but regardless, I like, I guess, but I guess it's sort of like, you're not going to be fully contented or happy if you're wanting for something that is. So if you're wanting for something that dominates your thoughts, like is at the forefront of your mind that disrupts like happiness or contentment. I would say that's true, but aren't there people who basically like, you know, they're have their basic, like they don't have concerns about finance or medical issues or stuff, but they're just basically bored and unhappy. Maybe it's depression or maybe it's just like stagnation in their personal life, but like, you know, just not having. So like, I agree, like, obviously, yeah. Like if you have bad shit happening to you, you're probably not going to be, you'll be less happy, but like, not having bad things isn't enough alone to get you to happiness. Right. So that's, I guess, what I was trying to get at with the most recent thing. Like, they want for something, even if it's not something they need. So I guess, like, need versus want there is, I guess, a, an important distinction. So but so were you saying that wanting for something is what makes them not happy, though? Yes, I guess. Uh, so I guess that wanting for something that they can't necessarily, like, attain – immediately or they feel as though they might not attain so like i guess you can like i'm not saying obviously like you can want to discover something but i guess if it's a constant like like if your want is a need or like it's a pursuit that you like dominates your thoughts then like i guess that derails contentment and happiness like you can be like oh yeah like eventually i want to go to china or i want to travel more but that's not something that's like like in your mind day to day but if it's like i want a promotion and it's gonna like dominate my life then that's a different thing so but i would say to go beyond i would say to get happiness i think you do need wants and desires because like i mean this is kind of like the classic depressed person, right? They just like say they're like not interested in anything. And so mm-hmm. they're not happy because they have nothing they want to do. And I feel like, like, 
like you're you're happy when you're satisfying your desires but if you don't have something you want strongly you don't have something you really desire you can't satisfy that and i feel like so you can't really get happy without that in the first place sure no so, I, oh, go ahead Trent. so that kind of brought me back to stoicism when they talk about i think man has a point has point you need desire motivation to do stuff i would say stoic stoicism would say it's good to desire but you should not attach to the desire basically like you you want this right but it's okay if you don't get it right i think that mm-hmm. the problem is not that the desire the problem is that what happens like when you don't get it right mm-hmm. if you don't fulfill the desire you'll be unhappy so so yeah, basically, anyway, <laughs> just quick <laughs> a dose of stoicism. Just don't be attached to the outcome, right? Well, no, that's exactly sort of that's I guess a good way of communicating what I was saying. I guess, yeah. So that's that's yeah. So stoicism was very helpful there, show. <laughs> also, as long as we're bringing up stoicism, wasn't stoicism explicitly that saying that you should experience stress and hardship? And that would, was, was, was that supposed to just make you a better person or was that make you happier by like experiencing hardship? Then you'll be like more appreciative of your normal life. Well, it'll be more resilient. Resilient. Yeah. So more be basically like, cause far harsher in the future is going to happen. You basically try to prepare yourself. So when it comes, it's not going to be as bad. Yeah. So to have what to argue to reach, let's say optimal happiness, arguably, you need some periods of stress and unhappiness, like, you know, not too often or too severe, but like sprinkled in, you know, so you don't just become, I guess, complacent. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'll oh. say, well, what was the question there? I, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Mm. It's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like you can't enjoy food if you're eating all the time, right? Because you won't be hungry anymore. So you got to like stop eating and get hungry to like fully to maximally enjoy food. You have to be really hungry, right? Same yeah. thing in life. Like if you if you really like if you legitimately just have like everything Perfect. you want satisfied, like I feel like you can get into this place where you're kind of like you just don't feel motivated anymore, and like the the effect of things is as much. So probably like some periods of like contrast mm. will like overall make your happiness long-term higher Mm. right yeah well i guess if you always are eating cake like you can't even appreciate something sweet versus like if you eat regular like plain foods or so it's it is sort of that difference like that i mean if you're always at if if you're always at a hundred then there is no 101 but so anyway, so that's why we should have a yearly purge to make everyone, you know, experience enough. Yeah. So <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. Most people have ample uh, stress and hardship in their life. So that's not the concern for society right now. Well, I mean, at the very least, people like get sick or, you know, like feel shitty. I mean, even if they're like everything else is every other box is checked, they are going to experience some degree of pain and discomfort with that. So uh, mm-hmm. when you're talking about yearly purge, are you talking about purging white people? I was referencing the movies, The Purge, but yes. I mean, if you want to take this racist slant on it, I guess we can go there. I thought, I thought in the Purge movie, that's what it's about, right? You just purge like certain uh, category of people in society. I think the goal yes. is more poor people. Yes. Yeah. Um, they, no, and, they made it very explicit. As the... be, and minority, coincidentally, to be a majority of poor people, 
right? Yes. That, that was not lost in the movie. I mean, I only saw yeah. the first one, but I think it, you know, addressed that pretty directly. By the third one, they were very explicit about like rich white people bad. Like, <laughs> like it was not hidden at all by the third movie. So right. Mike's oh, getting yes. defensive as a future rich white person. He's like, oh. No, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movies for what they were, but yes, the political right. message was there. So, All right. but, and I, there's something I wanted to say before we got into that you need a diversity of like good and bad in life before we get on that topic. Oh, that's right. Stoicism and attaching yourself to outcomes. Yeah. So I think like another way of viewing that is essentially like, making external sort of desires like with respect to like career and I guess relationships or whatever else uh, maybe uh, so making those external sort of desires wants uh, synonymous with yourself. So I think that's sort of another way of saying it. So that uh, I are maybe like a maybe more modern psychological way of saying it. Like, so how you, and this is something I've thought about too. Like a lot of people like say that's like, that's not me or that like they have like a clear identity of like who they are. And I always find it interesting thinking about like, how do you define yourself without bringing in external entities? Cause I mean, humans are social creatures and like, I mean, how, like, I guess, how do you define yourself outside of, I guess the society environment you live in, but I guess that's in a way what stoicism is getting at is like those things you have, like the desires you have in that external environment should not define you. So you shouldn't attach yourself to them. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a little bit confused about defining yourself a little bit. I mean, I guess, uh, actually desire, I don't think desire is, Oh, I was thinking about designer is more internal, like it rising from yourself. But I guess your point of desire external is like sometimes a desire is you desire something that might not be your own desire. Is that you? Is sometimes you might think, oh, this is what society says that I should want, but you don't should desire, but you don't realize it. Like for example, desire to be like rich, famous, right? You feel like oh, this that's what society things that you should be as quote unquote definition of successful right right and you try to achieve that but if you look deeper like oh this is might not be what you want internally okay well i i mean it's not necessarily what you don't want i mean you may want that internally you i, I mean I, you may want to be rich and famous but it's not necessarily what you don't want in society wants but it's like there's more than internal control like you don't control that, right? Or you don't a hundred percent control that, right? I mean, it's you need to work within the society to attain that. Oh. So, so I mean, so with respect to like external, like, I mean, you can sort of say like, you can have internal desires. Like I want to be more intelligent, more compassionate, you know, in better, like in physically in better shape and you can work toward those things. Like, and those are purely sort of internal drives. Mm. Whereas um, I guess if you attach to, I want to be famous. I mean, that's a hundred percent or like that is, uh, I guess requires 
interfacing with like an external environment and depends on factors there that you could not possibly control. I see. So you, so you're saying that desire is more or less internal, whereas an outcome of getting that desire is sometimes is controlled by a lot of external factors. Correct. So you can have the desire, like, oh, I, yeah, I'd like to be famous. But as soon as you attach like the internal to that outcome, that's when unhappiness emerges. Mm-hmm. Like you see yourself as like a famous person. And so if you can't be famous, it's like your life's destroyed rather than being like, oh, that would have been nice, but you know, it didn't work out. Correct. Yes. So as soon as you attach your identity to something external, that's when you're recipe unhappy. for disaster. Yes. This, this reminds me, I mean, I think it's related, but it's kind of like the idea of like learning to fail and just like letting, like you, you gotta be like, you have your desires and your goals, but like learning to fail gracefully is similar to like not attaching these things to your identity in the sense that like it didn't work out. You didn't achieve your desire. It's like, that's okay. And you just got to be able to like accept that and move on while if it lets you, you know, you know, if, if you let it get you much, either, you know, you just become so upset, like you don't want to try anymore or you become obsessive about something, you know, you know, then it's, it's much worse. Yeah, no, I mean, and it goes back, like, I think I said at one point, like there's a difference, uh, like at a graduation speech I heard, like there's a difference between wanting to be something and to do something. Mm. So like, if, uh, so, I mean, if you want to be the, like, be smart according to society or be like, you can always be smarter or you can always be richer, but it's like, if you want to, like, if you just say to yourself, I'm going to like learn, like, I'm going to be like, I'm always going to learn to try to get smarter and get better Then I mean, there's no sort of end goal associated with like, oh, society recognizes me as a genius or, you know, or society recognizes me as super rich. Like, Mm. so if you just say to yourself, like, I'm going to study and make money, then you're always doing that. So, yeah, I think a lot of times we, yeah, that's a very good point. Sometimes we want to do something to be something, but we might not be good at it. Right. So, I mean, a lot of times there's a vanity in the things we try to achieve, right? For example, a PhD, right? Like a lot of times, some, sometimes there's a little bit of van. I mean, <laughs> and there's a lot of vanity in it too, right? So now you, oh, you want to get a PhD because, you know, that way you can be a doctor and then people can think, think that you are very smart, right? So, yeah. Sure. No. And, and sometimes I... Fair, the, reason, the reason I'm saying that because I might not get my PhD. So, you know, so I try to save myself in a way. <laughs> you two are going to finish now, but we're not going down that road. Um, in any case, uh, I do find this, like, I, I do, like, so I agree with the sentiment as, as we've been discussing, but, like, there are those people who are, like, saying, like, oh, I'm a work in progress, like, I'm always a work in progress, you know, like, that notion of, like, I'm always, like, uh, you know, I'm always striving to get better or whatever. And I do feel like there's definitely people who say these types of things or, or like that phrase specifically, like I'm a work in progress yeah. and they use it as an excuse to never get better. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I do want to say like, the, yeah. like movement is important. And like, that's what, like, there's this, t- again, attention sort of us. We've been like, everything we talk about has like the spectrum of like, 
you know, how far do you look forward or how far, like, like how much weight do you want to put on a certain goal? Like in order to uh, like achieve like that goal being synonymous with you versus like, I just like, I'm working toward that, but I never make any progress. So like, I mean, I think there is, again, sort of that continuum. Like, yeah, like, does this goal define me and I need to get there? Or does this is, or am I just going to say like, oh, it would be nice to be famous or nice to be rich, but I'm just going to essentially just go to like barely work and just expect other people to take care of me. Or, you know, I mean, I guess, again, a tension between like investing too much of your identity versus like none of your identity. <laughs> mm. So, mm. Well, and that's why you need to believe in what you want to achieve, right? So, yeah, like you want to go for it, like take the leap of faith if this, this is exactly what you want, right? So I think a lot of times, it's like figure out what you what you really want, right? Sometimes like what you want might not be, you thought you want might not be what you really want, <laughs> right? And then sometimes you want something and you get it and then you, oh, and this, and you realize, oh, this is not what I want, right? Right, right. I mean, that's a yeah. So, um, going back to inversion again, like the happiness. Matt. So, I think what's your def- what's what's the opposite of happiness for you, Matt? Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's one opposite because it might not be a line. But I think Mike emphasized stress and anxiety, and that's definitely a state that feels very much not happy. Mm. Um, but I also would kind of repeating ourselves, I would also say like a state where you just have no motivation, no like desires is this, you know, unhappy, you know, and that's not, you might not experience any stress in that, but I would say that's very much like a not happy way of being mental outcome. And there's probably another one. Those are my two for now. Happiness is a quadratic. (laughs) (laughs) So actually, Actually, that is very lack of motivation. That's another. So the thing I want to come to is basically, I think you hit, I, th- I think you kind of hit it on the nail for that one. So the thing I want to come to is a quote that I read in a Tim Ferriss book called The Four Hour Work Week. So basically, he defined like, so the, the example of inversion, right? He tried to define a happiness, but he said the opposite of happiness actually is not sadness, right? It's, it's boredom. Mm. So that's, mm. I think that's what you kind of uh, allude to already, right? Because mm-hmm. so so that means that means it's very in a in a way that's very actionable, right? So I find that very useful. That means instead of finding happiness, I basically I try to define the happiness. The object of happiness is boredom. That means I can do something about it, right? That means I should go for things and I try things that excite you, right? Well, make you wake up in the morning. Oh, I'm excited to do this, right? So. So that's a, I find that that's a very, at least for me, that's a very useful uh, definition of opposite of happiness and Mm -hmm. also a a very good example of inversion, right? Mm -hmm. No, it makes sense because there's a lot of things that make you happy also give you stress, right? And not necessarily always in a bad way. It also reminds me of the old saying, um, what is it? The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. It's kind of the same thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Well, no, no, no. I was just basically going to say 
the same thing that it makes a lot of sense to me just because like I mean even during my PhD like I would say I was never like I don't know that I lacked happiness but like I was constant like I, I don't know that I necessarily like appreciated it I guess like I because because there was a lot of stress and everything so it's like it was so and in emotional theories like oftentimes there's like like you're allowed to have like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to people but often like there's when they try to quantify like how positive you're feeling and how negative you're feeling often it's not a single continuum but like a continuum from like zero to one for both so you can Two feel axes. like yeah, exactly. So essentially it's like you can feel very positive and very negative, which seems counterintuitive, but I, I mean, I think it's exactly what we're talking about here. Like you can be pursuing something that makes you feel very positive, but provides you with like a lot of anxiety, or you can simultaneously be dealing with two things, one that makes you very happy and one that makes you very sad. So. Or you watch a set, very sad movie that makes you cry, but it was a really good movie, so you're happy too. Yes. No, I was actually thinking about this. I think I was thinking about some of what was it, Jane's, some of the Jane's work I'd read mm-hmm. where they had like, it's like, yeah, like people often think of it as like having a sadness as like one line, but it's really like two axes and you know, you have both. So you can, you can experience it both. And then like in the bottom corner is like nothing, right? Like the, just the lack of emotion or really feelings in general. Oh, so you're saying that it's not one dimension, a, a line. You actually, uh, it's not a, uh, it's two axes, it's two dimension, right? So X and mm-hmm. Y, right? You have, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I guess if you isolate like a in- single instant, I don't know how much like it is really is two axes, but certainly over a very brief amount of time, you can... I think appreciate like you can feel like very happy and very sad over a very brief period. So, mm-hmm. okay. so. all right. So just one more question regarding the opposite. Like what's the opposite of success for you guys? <sighs> I mean, success is so personal, you know, there, I feel like there's a bunch of different ways to be successful in life. And there are, you know, maybe not all equally valid, but they're all valid. So it's hard to describe an opposite to this because, you know, some people don't care about making money. You know, some people just want to help other people or they just want to like have a happy family or, you know, or they do or they want to become, you know, famous and well-known or they don't want to become famous, but they want a lot of money. You know, they want to leave some legacy on history. Like, there's a lot of ways you can define it. So, making well, opposites too personal. But yeah, that's, that's where I'm going. It's personal. I mean, I'm asking you. Like, what's opposite of success for you? <laughs> Failure. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Might go. <laughs> Uh, no, that was, that was very informative, Matt. Uh, I, I mean, I, 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 do, I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, for me, I guess, I mean, I guess this is something I struggle with because for a long time, or I think for a lot of my life, there was a very clear indication of failure. Right. And again, this is me attaching myself too much to external things, but like, I mean, right. You're in school. Right. And so, I mean, there's literally like F for fail. 
So I mean, I think, and I mean, obviously, like I had expectations for myself that put the line of failure way above that. But I mean, I was very much in a way tied to like this idea that I want to be excel in a system that is set up like an external system that is set up to basically make assessment about uh intelligence and ability to succeed in the world. So it's like, now that I'm totally outside of that system for the first time in my life, it it's different, right? Because I mean, in industry, I encounter people who probably were not nearly as good in that system. And like have essentially in a way like bounced around in the world a little bit and may not have as high sort of intelligence expectations or like as high personal integrity or anything else, but it's like, they still find a way, like they're still functioning in the same, I guess, circles I am. So I guess I, I, I guess in a way that's disrupted my, views on what successful is or like like do i just say like oh i've failed because they're like i have to deal with people who like i would consider like less capable of doing like making a product i want to make or like these people are essentially barriers to entry for like making like changing the world as i would like to change the world i mean Maybe, maybe not, but it's just like, there's no clear system anymore, right? I mean, it's just like, there's a lot more chaos in, there isn't that, like, essentially there isn't that person or that uh, system giving you ABC. There, It's just like, you needed to find success, uh, success for you. And like, I, I don't know whether it's just like a dollar sign or like, I mean... To be honest, I guess, uh, say having babbled through all of that, um, like uh, thinking about it more, it's just, I guess success to me would be working in an environment with people I respect and believe can do a good job and working toward a common goal that we think can better the world and finding and making enough advancement to both make a difference and make enough money to like live comfortably where money isn't an issue. And you do not like your coworkers, do you? You better hope they don't <laughs> listen to this podcast. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I do like my co like, it's just more like, it's even just dealing with like different companies. Like, there were people like I interviewed with like before getting this job who I was like, like clearly I don't like, I don't know how you like are in this position. Like, you know, like, I mean, it's just like even going to like other like conferences, like during the PhD, you're like, this person is going to have this, like this person is absolutely going to have the same degree as me and may even have it sooner than I'm going to have it. And that's like, in a way, troubling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's, it sounds like your success very hinge on, and it's you, the example you was very much, but I mean, okay, I see your success now working in that, but what's your, my question was, 
what's the opposite of success for you? Is it just going to be an opposite of that or is it going to be something else? Oh, okay. I forgot. I forgot the inversion aspect of this. You, yes. you need to listen, dude. Yes, you gotta, yes. You need to be a better, better listener. Listen to my question. <laughs> no, I, I rambled for too long and forgot where it's where we started. Uh, so opposite of success. Uh, so it's not exactly the opposite of that, but I guess being put in a, so sort of. So the opposite of that, that I think I would take is put in a position where you feel like you're not making a difference mm. and, or you're not. Uh, so I'll, I'll just use, or so, or you're, so feeling like you're not making a difference or being, I guess, inadequately compensated for the difference you're making. Mm. basically if i was to generalize what mike said i think he essentially set up his goals of like what he wants to feel successful and then his opposite success is just not achieving those goals which is kind of like the trivial answer right like what's the opposite of success not achieving the goals that you've mm-hmm. defined that make you successful but mm-hmm. i mean is there a better answer um yeah i'm searching that better answer I mean, to me, I would say right now, how I would define it is two things. One is, uh, I guess, uh, not trying, I guess, in terms of not anything I want to do. But in the bigger picture, it would be not, not, I guess, not living a full life, I guess. I don't know. I'm still struggling with the... And the other simple thing is it would be just just be underground, right? The opposite of success would just be underground. Right. Like dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what you would be, right? So oh, can't talk about Benjamin Franklin anymore. He's unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I don't know. I'm I I'll, I'll say if yeah, so I'm still searching. That's why I ask you guys. So I don't have a cost I don't have an answer yet. And I haven't seeing any answer out there from other people yeah no i mean i guess like i'm just trying to think about framing it in what we were talking about earlier right so i mean a lot of mine like or my answer is very much like reveals how i struggle with attaching myself to like desires that are external to me Mm -hmm. so like i guess a successful person is one who who does rather than wants to be right so rather than like wanting to make a change in the world like uh like i uh, like a successful person i guess would say like i am interested in you know x like i'm interested in uh making well or not even making but i'm interested in like health and i do research in health like to better understand humans and to better understand their, like how they function and things like that. And that's what, like, that's what I'm interested in doing. And basically like whether I discover, you know, a cure for cancer is very secondary as much as I just like, my passion is understanding more. Mm. So, and every day I understand more, even if it's like, I, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, even if it's just like, I understand that like that doesn't work or that doesn't apply. Like that's still a step in the right or a step more than you had yesterday. So, I mean, that's what Munger actually advised other people like to every day, you know, get up, you know, be wiser and better every day, basically. Right. So try to do that. And yeah. And actually when you're talking about significance and success, right. Actually, made me remind me of a quote like a lot of time i guess success like try to achieve pursue our success right we always say oh success is a good thing right so a lot of people like remind me of instead of uh, so instead of being try to be successful because uh in, instead of being successful actually it's better to try to be useful right so instead of so any for me, that helped me helped me a lot because for a long time I've been struggling with what success really is, and then I feel like because I don't really have a goal that I need to achieve, right? So that's so I find that very uh, useful reframing. So instead of trying to be successful, all I need to do is just be useful, right? which means like maybe help others, you know, be um, add, create something that add value to other people, right? So anyway. So for, for people out there who doesn't have a go or, you know, stuff like that, you know, maybe try that. Yeah. Try being useful. Yeah. <laughs> try being useful. Ouch. <laughs> we could frame that better, I think. <laughs> so I guess uh, that brought me back to the, the goal we talked last, last week we had a conversation about like talking about goals, right? And like goals that you, you, you guys, when we talk about that, you guys say, you guys mentioned that you don't want to, Think about death too often because it kind of distracts you from your goals, right? So I guess my question is, is that what are your goals? Mm. Mike? Uh, well, I mean, it's not even necessarily like, I mean, uh, my goal, I guess, or my most immediate goal is just to enjoy life or like fi- like find happiness or so like like i i feel like death in a way distract like is a distraction just from everything like it's just existential sort of dread like it, it makes you think too much mm. so it's harder to focus on so like my goal for today could be like you know i want to go you know i, I want to do a workout i want to enjoy like a good meal and I want to relax and, uh, you know, I sort of relax and watch TV or play a game or something like that. But I guess if you're focused on death, it like, it takes you out of the moment. Right. Hmm. Like, uh, so, I mean, I guess that's part uh, more what I, so it's not necessarily like that. It's a distract, like, Oh, I have this goal that I want to, make a business before I'm 35 and I'm just so worried about death that I can't pursue that. Mm. But like, it's more just like, yeah, I can still pursue it, but it draws me out of the moment to the point where it's like, like, does anything I'm doing matter if I'm taken out of, like if I'm sort of focused on sort of the end of everything in a way. So I guess it's more just, that's what I guess I'm getting at when it says it, derails different things is it's like zapping you from them and to be fair i mean to be fair to death um i mean i feel feel like sometimes like a lot of the goals like 
like a goal I had with a PhD. Like, I feel like that had that power in a way too, right? It's too, because in a way, like I was often very focused on like, oh, I should be working because like until the PhD is done, like I, my, like, like I haven't accomplished what I, so goals have that power too. But I mean, I guess death is just a harder one to, I guess a harder one to sort of get around, like, yeah, a harder one to get around for me. So, yeah. You know, sometimes that can be, I think when with the right light touch, it can be useful to have that as like a something to like pull you out of like the now, if you're like you're too engrossed in something that's, you know, not like in the long term isn't that important, but it's like short term is giving you anxiety. You can try to use that same thinking to be like, you know, this doesn't really matter. But you got to do the light touch, you know, to not get into fall into existential dread, but just be like, you know, kind of reframe your perspective of like what's actually important long term. All right. So, just a side note on that, but so yeah, Mike, uh, you did not answer my question again. <laughs> what? What do you mean? What are my goals? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess my goal is to be ha- like to live in the moment. I okay. mean, so I mean, uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, like I say, I think that's what death distracts me from. So, oh, like, okay. why? Yeah. So it's. Uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to not set long-term goals. You're done. Or, 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 like I, I'm trying to limit the long-term goals I have. Because, I mean, now that the PhD is over, it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, like, my next long-term goal could be, like, career-related. Like, found a company or move up the corporate ladder or whatever. But it's like, okay, I've done that for my entire life. It could be to, like, oh, find a solid relationship and get married. Uh, but I guess that's uh, that leads down the existential dread path, right? Because it's like... I mean, essentially, like, you could map out your life. Okay, next goal is to get married and have kids. Next goal after that is retirement. Next goal after that is find a good gravesite. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like you just hack off, like, large pieces of life, right? Uh-huh. So, so, I mean, I guess that's what, uh, so the key is not have those types of goals. Okay. So. That's, that's pretty good advice. What about you, Matt? Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I have more basic concrete goals. You know, I want to I, I actually finish my PhD because I, I have not, unlike this bastard Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Know, Mike. Man. Dr. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm getting married in the spring. So, like, I guess that is a goal that's mostly accomplished, but I got to, you know, we got to finish planning the wedding and all that. I want to be bilingual. I'm really tired of being monolingual. At some point, I was like, man as an American who's native in English, I was like, it's really annoying that I like, do everything uses English all the time. So I want to learn a new language, but you know, those are like small, relatively small, semi short term concrete things mm. in the terms of like, you know, all should be well under five years. Uh, I don't know. Those are my goals. I'm kind of, so similar to, I have a few more specific goals than Mike, but similar to Mike, I'm not really trying to make like long-term plans right now, but I think that's probably natural when you've gone through like this much years of schooling where you're just like, you know, yeah, I'm just going to kind of go roll with it for a little while. 
Actually, Nets, Net actually knows, actually are very useful in a way, actually. for So instead of setting long-term goals, focus on short-term goals, right? And then actually, Nan remind me of an analogy that someone made. It's like, it's not driving, right? If at night, right, you, 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 only, you should only focus on the thing, the headlight can, how, how far the headlight can shine, right? If you, if you, you cannot see, you, you cannot see too far, right, in the dark, right? So you focus on the, whatever the headlight, just, you basically only see the, how far the headlight can, uh, directly, right? So, so mm-hmm. that's almost like an analogy in life in a way. You just, you know, it's like driving, right, in the dark. <laughs> Yeah, go wherever the headlight can, you know, can shine out, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Okay. I'm so, practically blind at night, so. That, all right, but shoot, <laughs> shoot, what are your goals then? You got me and Mike to dig. Um. Yeah, the problem is um, I, I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm looking for, that's why I. I so have your first goal is to get goals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like Sue asks us these questions and continually is like, oh, that's not an answer. That's, and then it's like, well, and then when we ask him, he's like, oh, I'm just asking to understand and to, and it's like, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the reason I'm curious about this, asking this question because I don't have an answer myself. I'm mm-hmm. also struggling with myself. I feel like, because go, I feel like go have a way to kind of focus you, right? So I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm focused. I cannot put, put all my motivation, strength into a direction because I don't have the direction. I don't have to go, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why, I'm, that's why I'm trying to find the direction. And then that's why I'm trying different things, right? To figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah. Anyway. So I don't know yet. So <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> That'll yeah. be the end of this podcast. She, she will reach, uh, finally decide on his path. <laughs> yeah. mm, that's true. And then that's why I'll end because he's going to go off to do great things and we're going to be like, no time for podcasts anymore. That's yeah. Right. So, so, so that's why I really like the definition, the opposite of happiness is boredom, right? So basically try different things that excites me, right? So to find, I, yeah. if, no. if the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that definition. So, cause it, it does leave happiness in your hand, right? It's basically just like, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm not happy. So that means I must be bored. So that means I must pursue something exciting. Yeah. All right. Shoot. Yeah. A goal everyone can appreciate is like changing the world in some way that, you know, is better, right? That like, that's a goal that's like, personally satisfying so like what's something about the world that you think is bad or unfair or like a real serious problem what do you hate about the world actually i don't know i don't think i don't think the world needs changing and i don't think i don't think like making the world better i think the world is the way it's good is the way it is i don't think anybody should try to change it so right yeah, now, now maybe in the goal of changing the world, I think that's a little bit arrogant in a way, right? Well, let's, well, obviously we're not saying you will or should try to like change the whole world, but like you could make us, you can make it, this is more a general statement, like you can make a difference on a very small scale. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, like yeah, you can yeah. do I something, like you can say like the world has these issues and I'm going to do something in my local community to like help. Oh, yeah. So the something that I'm passionate about is about how to help actually helping making people make better decisions, right? So what that means, and that's why I want to start a company that does a custom white t-shirt, right? So everybody should just wear white t-shirts every single day, right? <laughs> you know why? Because 
look at your life, like daily, you make so many hundreds of decisions every single day, right? Right. So, but in the morning, you wake up, you already make one decision, which is what what do I want to wear today, right? So, I mean, the people who, so to eliminate that decision, you actually eliminate thousands or thousands, thousands of decisions throughout your life, right? If you don't make, you make one single decision and you eliminate all the decisions for the rest of your life, which is what to wear every single day, right? <laughs> so that simplifies your life, right? This is a uh, dystopian future. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to change, actually, like to, to, to do that. That's my motivation to say, hey, I want to make everybody, not make everybody, just encourage you, start a company so that let allow people to, to have a perfect T-shirt they can wear every single day, which is white color, right? All black, you know, I wear black right now. So, so I can start. So basically, then that's my <laughs> something that I actually thinking of like doing. Yeah. Well, See? I mean, why, but I guess why the single sort of clothing item? I mean, right. I mean, companies do send like companies do send like crates of clothes, right? Couldn't they just yeah, like, but then you just picking between those crates. So that would eliminate buying clothes decisions but you'd still have to think about what you want to wear today unless the company tells you like the company oh, could monday. label them yeah like this is your monday outfit like it gives you a set of clothes and then it has an app that says like here's today's outfit and maybe mm-hmm. you have like a version for like more semi-formal or like you know i don't know maybe they have some pre-programmed things like oh you need a business casual one like here's today's business casual mm-hmm. no yeah that's that's exactly that i don't want to do it's just simple sure Worry every day. Don't even think about it. Don't even worry. <laughs> don't even, you know, don't even need to put in the bag of your head. You know, just wake up, put the shirt on, and then you can make other decisions. To be fair, like, I think you could get away with that. Like, 90% of days, you could just wear the T-shirt, right? Like, it's, I guess it depends what your job is, but how often do you actually have to, like, you know, dress I mean, up special? Well, nowadays, all you need to do in, in the future, in the mindset, if, if, if the mindset sets in, right, everybody's just going to wear T-shirts, even no matter this. Even business formal, right? It could be just a white t-shirt. No, white I'll... t-shirt with a black tie, like drawn on it. No, that's no. That's changing it. Nothing. Now. <laughs> so the white shirt has nothing. Not even logo. You know, nothing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, if, I mean, I feel like it is a dystopian movie, like where everyone's in the same identical jumpsuits, and you know, they go in, they go in for their like daily dose of like, what was the drug in? that book by Soma see she saw those movies and we're like what an idyllic life they don't yeah, have to exactly. make these pointless decisions to be fair Brave New World which had Soma was not necessarily a dystopian future I mean that was kind of like the whole point was like is this actually like worse in society now you know making you question those assumptions but that's a different topic we're not getting into Brave New World right now yeah, yeah. but I mean you know there was some passion. What I want to point out is there was some passion coming from Shu when he's describing this. So, yeah, it's true. I think like, if you don't have any goals thinking about how you might want to change the world or society or your community to be better, seems like a very good starting place to be like, to find some, right. So Shu's goal should be to give a massive middle finger to every fashion designer who has ever lived. (laughs) (laughs) If he achieves his goal, millions will lose their passion in life. Yeah, that's, that's what you're right. saying. <laughs> that's right. That's that should be Shu's goal. 
Everyone wears the exact same thing at all day, every t- all times. It's the same, but it's different. You know why? Why? It's custom fit, so stick to you. That is fair. Yeah. So the the problem is that for me, I had a hard time finding the perfect white T-shirt that fits me perfectly, so I can wear it every single day. So anyway, so worst case, I have a customer of one. So me. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, shall we move on to other topic, or is it is it this good for today? I think other topic is like iron crutch. That's very. Maybe we can start with that today or next time. Uh, okay, we can wrap off with iron. Say that again. Iron clutch. Crotch. Oh, crotch. Have no, you never seen those it. people who like hit you know swing bricks into their groin? No. Yeah. So, Matt, you want to describe the the, iron, the art of Iron Crutch, the Kung Fu? All right. I don't know where were you, what TV you were watching in the late 90s, but you know how there's like the iron body training in like China and others kind of Eastern martial arts where they'll like, you know, they try to like focus and they like get hit with stuff and it like doesn't harm them, right? Okay. You've, yeah. You've seen that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, so there's a variant where they do that, but it's with their crotch. And so they'll like have people like hit them with pieces of wood or they'll like, tie a weight to it and then like swing it back and forth and you know and i was never sure if this was like a legitimate thing or just like a weird gag that like went too far for tv Mm. but shu linked an article saying it's a dying which all i have to say is thank god (laughs) so so you guys not familiar with the chinese kung fu and the qi kung actually using that internal they they practice some kind of internal key in a way to channel their energy to certain area of the body so they are almost like indestructible iron right so if for example like you like uh there's one like bow with a very pointy like spear right you try to spear their throat right you cannot do it because they 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 channel their key to the area so you cannot pierce the uh their throat using a spear right so and then this this one is is iron crutch. So <laughs> I find it particularly funny because uh, you know they practice the iron crutch every single day, right? So <laughs> and and the art is dying because uh, it has been very protective art uh, historically. So right now they have not a lot of people practicing it. So they try to promote it right now for for the world. <laughs> so whoever. If you want to practice, you know, iron crutch, you know, make it invisible, you should go to travel to China and then practice with these iron crutch masters to get your iron crutch on. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is idiocy and I think I'm fine with an ending. <laughs> <laughs> you just, uh, you just, what do you call that? Uh, insulting the whole Chinese culture and then. Oh, man. What are you doing, Mike? Kung Fu, Chinese Kung Fu. Is it a martial art? Could you fight someone with this? I'm not sure it quite qualifies. It's borderline. Martial art adjacent. Well, it kind of, it is, right? If you're going to fight Kung Fu in the boxing rings, if you're going to fight someone in the street, right? What's the most vulnerable area of your whole body? Your eyes. (laughs) Your eyes. Your eyes, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. And then, well, not an area is you'll be a crutch, right? So that's why monkeys. That's why monkeys try to rip off your groin and then and gouge out your eyes because those are the two things. 
I mean, if you watch <laughs> videos of sh- fights in the street, which are pretty easy to come by, there's not a lot of guys like trying to punch or kick each other in the crotch, to be fair. So truth be told, this is, I would say, is fairly low likely on the place you're going to get attacked. <laughs> anyway, so I just found that this art very interesting and funny in a way. <laughs> Fun. I, I would also call it interesting and funny. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. You see, see the videos too. It's like, you know, when they practice, damn, it's like hardcore. Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they swing a gigantic pole into the crotch. They practice it every, like that, you know, like, wow. You know, do you, is it just, I wonder how much is it a matter of just like deadening nerves, which is you know, not necessarily what I want to do to, you know, my groin. Well, Wait. to be fair, this kid, this this master, Kung Fu master, have two kids. So I'm not. <laughs> they are about forty years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were uh, born in the year before he started this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this 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 R has three hundred year history. Wow, uh, I will say these people have great ways of defining success. <laughs> <laughs> They can they can feel fulfilled doing something that's out like just totally ridiculous. All right, all right. Anyway, if you don't study this, maybe you should go to China and study Tai Chi, the best martial art in the world. Oh my gosh! Here we go. All right, we can put in our list of martial arts can be one of our topics here, where we fight about you know the effectiveness of various martial arts. A classic debate. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. Well. So are we wrapping up for today? I guess so. Uh, you know, I'll give you all a preview of something else. Um, I'm getting the book One Billion Americans, which is supposed to make a – basically, I think it's like a largely economic argument for like significantly higher immigration into the U.S. It's not about you know trying to make people have a crazy amount of kids, but like much higher immigration – and it's supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be very data driven, but I'm curious. I'm going to be reading that soon. I don't know if I'll have it done for next week or anything, but I'll, I'll come bring in, you know, I know you might get your, your more, have that natural anti-immigration bias, which is, I feel like a lot of people naturally are like, oh, immigrants, it's going to like hurt us if we like let a bunch of people in, but I'll, t- I'll explain what it says. So she won't be the only one reading things and then telling everyone else about it. That's I'm good. curious. Is Omaha going to be like New York City with this view, I assume? <laughs> uh, maybe. You know, I did see one thing. They said with a 1 billion Americans, we would still have half the population density as the UK, which obviously has like big cities, but like also has like plenty of countryside and stuff. So they're like, you like, it might sound like a crazy number, but it's like the US is really big. So it's like, we actually have plenty of space. We would need basically new cities or major growth in cities, but you know, it's not like there's not enough space in the U.S. for it. No, no. I mean, I've done a lot of driving over quarantine, and I've seen a lot of places where I'm just like, there's fucking no one here. So and it does make you think about, like, you know, New York, where people are, like, literally living on top of each other just to live. And it's like, there's plenty of space. So, I mean, I would encourage more spreading out of Americans. But, yeah, I think there's space for more people if we do it right. And it would make road tripping across the country far more fun mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than of, just driving. And it, sec- and it would hours. secure America as the world power for another century or two, for sure, you know? Mm. What's the name on a book? One Billion Americans, I think. Okay, okay. 
All right. Well, anyway, yeah, I'll fill y'all in in the future week or two. Sounds Excited. Good. So, all right. With that, we can wrap it up. All right. So, Merry Christmas and just be useful. Shoot out, club.